Welcome to the Beachy Moondoom Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia. Nice. Well, good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, good evening, and good night to take from the awesome movie, The Truman Show. Hey there, Jim Carrey. Whenever you are, that's right, uh, he's, he can be really funny. Um, but anyway, so we are here, and whenever you're listening, um, we are really grateful that you have tuned in. And today, we've got Anthony Ferguson, our resident seminarian, here with us. Hi. And we've got Christy Barton, who's our director of the Children's Religious Education. Is that your official title? It's Coordinator of Faith Formation for uh, Children. I love it. Okay, <laughs> Coordinator of Faith Formation for Children. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Ken White, Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry. And we, uh, the topic... Ken, Ken likes to talk about himself in the third person. I do, I do, yeah. <laughs> that Ken White guy, boy, he needs some work. He's anyway, got a cool beard. He's a, a decent beard. It could be. It could be thicker. Um, anyway, so we we're we're going to talk today about um, raising kids in the faith, and I really thought this would be a really cool episode to have Christy with join us because of her her role as the coordinator of faith formation for the children, that she can speak to that experience, and then also. I mean, there's just all of us, I think, have worked with the little kids in the past, teaching them the faith, so we can bring a lot to this conversation. So I don't, um, I guess the the question I want to bring up is how do we do this and how do we do it effectively? Do you have any initial thoughts, Christy? I think it's just the age of the child, but getting to know your child. Like if you are a parent, if you want to come from the parent perspective, you think you have it down with the first one, but each child is so differently that for that what what works for one kid is not going to work for the other one. And I was a teacher before, so one grade, you can do one thing for them, and then you think what's the difference between first grade and second grade? It's a huge difference. And you can also tell the difference between which one is the oldest in the classroom versus the youngest in the classroom. Mm. So you have to constantly adapt to one particular child. I mean, if you have a classroom, you have that age group, but you always have to adapt to your audience, I guess. I think that's so powerful, though, because if you think about like the 12 apostles and how different each one was and really how different the relationship that Jesus had with each one in order to teach them the same gospel— but but even I think that extends not just from the children, but for any age, like when we bring the faith, we can't just create a blanket, this is how it's done, mm-hmm. right? And that's often what I find can be a struggle with the various programs that are out there for youth ministry uh, is, is – and I, I don't know if you encounter this, Christy, with, with like the different programs for religious ed, but there's sort of a – they try to do a one-size-fits-all program mm-hmm. and – all of these programs, have, a lot of them have a lot of great value, but to say that, okay, this grade, they're going to all learn from this book in this way with these exercises is sort of a pipe dream, right? I think, think about it as making a sandwich. You're going to feed them, right? But then each group or children, you're going to keep adding to it. So we have a faith formation program, but then once you get to know your children, then you know, okay, I need to add more on this area or so, this less making a sandwich everybody, everybody gets bread but everybody maybe somebody gets likes bread. ham somebody another, another likes, kid likes turkey or how do they like likes yeah. tomatoes i love it or how do they like their sandwich cut 
right? That's Kids right. like triangles or rectangles mm-hmm. or do, you know, take the crust I off. I like the crust. Right. Now they sell those cru- <laughs> those crustable, uncrustables or what are those called <laughs> that have no crust? They're I just, don't know. Those things freak me out. They, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the people put them in the freezer and then pull them out and eat them. I don't know about that. But that's a really good analogy, though. I like that. Yeah, because, I mean, when you're in a classroom, you think you have a lesson plan. And that's just a guideline. But once you get there, you when you're dealing with people... You can't have a perfect lesson plan. Sometimes you have to throw it out and come up with plan B. Pray to the Holy Spirit, okay, this is not working. And you think you know your your kids, You okay, they love coloring and you prefer coloring lessons. And then that day, they just want you to use a YouTube video or a, a sound or a song. You have to constantly adapt and change. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think of like my own experience growing up. I was a very imaginative kid. So for me, games that involved imagination or even learning that involved imagination was really helpful for me, right? That might not be helpful for someone who's very logical and doesn't, you know, really needs to work with their hands in mechanical type ways like Legos and such. I I enjoyed Legos to the extent that I could build something imaginative. But as far as like exactly doing the structure and stuff, that just wasn't what I liked doing as a little kid. It wasn't how I approached that kind of thing. So I, I even think like how, you know, children in the, in their games and everything is it's different, right? It's different mm-hmm. the way they develop and they learn. But also you have to think what's the ultimate goal. It's to get them closer to Christ, mm-hmm. have that relationship. And sometimes you're just going to have to scratch everything out and just have fun. Let them know Jesus through you. Cause you could, you could have a rough day and everything's going to go downhill. You can choose to, get upset about it and worry about it. Or you can just say, you know what? They're going to learn to love Jesus through me. Let's just have fun and just scratch everything out and start again from the next time you see them. I think you hit it on the the nail on the head, as they say there, because it's like all of the techniques, all the programs out there, nothing, nothing replaces the fact of just an honest, sincere witness. Just somebody Mm -hmm. that, that clearly themselves love God. And uh, the kids are going to see that they are not dumb. They're going to pick that pick up on the fact that this is real for this person. Like they're they're not just reading it out of a book. They're not just plugging in a DVD. They're not just handing out coloring books. There, this is something that is living and breathing for this person, and it's a part of their daily life. And and they're not they're not just trying to get me to to do more work at school. It, this is something that that's important. Right, like authentic witness is the best teaching tool mm-hmm. because if if you're trying to live it, truly trying to live it, then then like you say, they're going to see that. And I just think of how that extends to parenthood. You know, sometimes I wonder, am I, Max is only a year and a half old right now, but I still ask the question, am I doing enough to start teaching him elements of the faith? And then it always dawns on me as I reflect on that and pray about that. Well, am I growing in faith? Am I striving for sanctity? Because if I am, then my example to him will be a great witness as he gets older. And for me, one of the things that um, has always stuck with me is my dad, every night before going to bed, he would pray night prayer of the Liturgy of the Hours without fail. I mean, we'd be all kind of running around being crazy, and he would pull out his book, and he would start praying. And sometimes we would want to join in and we'd ask him if we could and he'd show us how to do it. But it was never – he never like grabbed us all around and made us sit down and do it. He just showed that. 
And shout out, shout out to my dad for that because to this day I cannot go to bed without saying something to our Lord. Like mm-hmm. it just is in it's ingrained in me that you don't go to bed without at least acknowledging your our Lord and Savior. Right? And I just think of how powerful that witness of the faith was. And he didn't really have to teach anything. That's so awesome. I think one of the biggest mistakes parents or teachers could do is dumbing it down or thinking, well, they can't handle this. But I think when you experience God, the purest souls understand it more perfectly. It's us through sin and through getting older that we're starting questioning things and we want proof for everything. So even explaining them the trinity they get it. Sometimes they don't even mm-hmm. question because they have that encounter with God. They have that relationship that we don't have yet or we've been pushing it aside through sin. Mm-hmm. I mean, we restore that when we go to confession, but I think we make a mistake that they're not going to get it or it's probably too complicated for them. I mean, you're not going to give them these huge theology lessons, but you they will understand. They can do it. They can handle it. Sometimes... You will say, well, let's pray a rosary. It might be too much. Well, let's see how much we can do. And sometimes you go through the whole rosary and they did just perfectly fine. And you're thinking they're not going to do it. But if you question, well, they're, they're my, my children are 10 and 8, almost 10 and 8. They're not going to do it. Then, yeah, you're, you're already mm-hmm. defeated to begin mm-hmm. with. But just let's just pray a rosary and see how it goes. Or sometimes you're, let's just do the Divine Mercy Chaplet. It's going to go quick. Right. Yeah. And I think behind that, that just attitude of not dumbing down the faith. It's so important because <laughs> I, I, you know, I taught fourth grade catechism at, at an assignment once and I just remember cracking open the book that they provided. And it was just like, it was basically like a comic book. And, and Bishop Barron talks about this a lot, that like we, we give these kids like really advanced science, advanced math, like the stuff that they're learning in fourth, fifth, sixth grade is not like stupid. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not, kids stuff it's it's advanced it's it's challenging them and so the same thing should be true about what we feed them with the faith because our faith is reasonable our faith is is rich our faith tradition has so much intelligence to it um but yeah so um but i love what you said about the fact that they're receptive that the kids are more receptive there's a reason why jesus said that we must become like children. Mm-hmm. You know, and the minute that we start thinking that we have to adapt the faith through an adult lens so that we can feed these kids the truth is when we've like missed the point entirely. Like These kids are sponges. I love visiting the second grade over at, uh, at the school because uh, they just you can see it in their eyes. They get it. They, they get who Jesus is in a way that I don't. Um, and and we, shouldn't, we shouldn't condescend to them or, or act like, well, I'm more advanced in my faith because I know what transubstantiation is and can, you know, recite the five proofs of the existence of God. Like they they understand it so at a much deeper level. Yeah, and it's uh, just the amount of times in my years as in in youth ministry that a middle schooler or a high schooler has blown me away mm-hmm. with their understanding or a reflection or an idea they they've brought to me. It just it's overwhelming. I mean, they do. They they get it in a way that I don't. And there's so much that we can learn from them if we if we open that wonderful, beautiful tradition up to them and help them see it. Um, and I think that's kind of a cool thing about the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd mm-hmm. program, 
which is a program that really, and you could speak even more to it, Christy. So I'll let, I'll, you know, I'll turn it over to you in that regard, but isn't it, it I mean, it's like a, a tangible experience, right? I mean, they're, they're putting together parts of the mass and they're, can you talk to that? It's, it's Montessori based. Um, so it, it goes naturally with what the child wants to do. So you don't force a child. Now we're going to talk about the Trinity. There's different stations, and it takes a lot of training at the beginning that might seem simple for people, but they start knowing about the altar and where the crucifix goes or the pieces that the, what does the priest wear? What is that thing? I mean, I, I remember my child wearing a sheet over his shoulders, and I'm thinking he's going to be Superman. So I'm like, what kind of superhero <laughs> are you? He's like, I'm a priest. So that uh-huh. was like, oh, okay, you know. So we have the vestments, and but the way they interact with it, they don't play priest. They can't put it on. So there are certain specifications. So they don't play mass. So they don't play dress up because we're not playing dress up. We're learning about what is why do we wear green or why this and that. So, but it's all about what they want to learn. So one of them might just want to color, and they can trace the priest and his vestments and the other one could go to the prayer corner and then just go pray. And wow. then the other one could go to the altar and learn about what is a ciborium, what is the linen that goes on top of the altar. Instead of playing kitchen or cooking, they're learning about the mass. So it's their natural curiosity at their level and they can experience God in a much, much different way than just sitting down in a classroom, and this is what it is. Wow, and that goes back to what you were saying about everyone learns differently, and it sounds like that program is actually a program that is very flexible as far as how that curriculum is taught. And there's so many levels, atrium one, two, and three, so you can go at I don't remember the age, but I think up to middle school. Wow. So the age group that we're going to start here, it's going to be three-year-olds three year olds to five-year-olds. So that's the age. Once they move to six-year-olds, it's not that they cannot do it. It's just developmentally they're ready for something else. Sure. They have to be doing something else. But it just reminded me also that sometimes we make the mistakes with children of special needs. They have a much deeper understanding of God sometimes than we do. And it reminded me of a video that went viral of uh, Stations of the Cross in Mexico. And there's this boy with Down syndrome that just completely crosses over. And they're beating down Jesus. I mean, it's just an act. But for, for him, that was Jesus. So he goes in front of the soldier, whoever was playing the soldier, and starts consoling Jesus. He didn't care this was an act, that this was um, a representation of our Lord's passion. He just went in there. And stepped in front of that soldier and started hugging Jesus. And it went viral and everybody's bawling their eyes out because we should be more like that boy. That was just God and his understanding of how he wanted to console Jesus. Mm. It went viral. G.K. Chesterton, uh, in his book Orthodoxy, which if you've never heard of Orthodoxy by G.K., I recommend it. It's one of my favorites. But in there, he talks about how God is kind of like a child. That, that uh, well, he was talking about how the sun rises every morning and how you can look at that in a scientistic way and say, of course the sun rises. It's, it's got to. It is, it's cold, like, determinism. Or you can choose to look at it as if God is, is like a child. And when you look at a kid, like, kids love doing things over and over and over and over and over, and they like doing the same thing. 
over and over and they laugh and they, you know, they're just, you're over, they're overjoyed to do the same thing over and over. And, and parents, you know, entertain them by doing the same thing over and over. Um, even when we get tired of it. And so GK talks about how you know, God, God makes the sun rise every morning. Cause he, he loves it. He wants to do it over and over. He's like, he's filled with childlike energy and zeal and, and we've gotten old. So like, we've gotten old by sin and we've grown up. Um, and we're proud of that. You know, that, that's kind of the, the crazy thing is that we get proud that we've grown up and, and we don't need to do those like little, little kid things anymore. Um, so reminding ourselves that, that we are God's children, that, um, that God is endlessly energetic, that he wants us to be childlike. Um, yeah, it's, it's part of our faith. Like we, we, we have to guard against that hardness of heart. You know, um, we, we are all called to be young at heart because our God is, is youthful. I don't know. Yeah. And I, and I think that just goes back to how much children, can be an example for us. You know, we talk about being, I I was talking earlier about being a witness to them, but in many ways they are a witness to us because of their, their absolute faith, their absolute trust in God, like to let go. And they're, they're in awe of our faith. It's like a baby. When you throw him up in the air, he trusts you so much. He doesn't get scared. Like, what if he drops me? He just mm. loves that you throw him up in the air. We should be like that with God, just trusting him. And a baby would do that. A baby will trust that you will take care of him. <laughs> He's not going to question, oh, I think you're going too high. That's a mom thing. But the baby, <laughs> <laughs> the baby's trusting that you're going to catch him back up. Right. Well. Man, I, I'll share a story. I'd like to share a story if that's okay about a, a second grader. Um, she was really cute. She came running up to me. She's about to receive her first Holy Communion later this spring. And she comes up and she's just distraught. She's like, why? Why is it that I have to wait for my first Holy Communion? Why Why do I have to wait? Like, I want Jesus now. And it was so amazing to see this little kid roll, run up to me and just desire the Eucharist so much. Um, and And... Her, her like little brother or her brother was there as well. And he's like, we have to wait because, because Jesus is really special and, and, and he's, he's the living <laughs> God and we have to wait for him. And, and it was like, this is from the mouth of babes. Like this is, mm-hmm. a, this is what it's all about. Like, of course they want Jesus. And, and like the fact that they have to wait a few more weeks and, and they're willing to do it because they realize how special it is, is absolutely beautiful. And it's, it's something that we don't get. We get to go to mass, Every day, if we want, right now, you know, and and do we take the Eucharist that seriously? Do we realize how special it is? Um, so that reminded me uh, in that moment how how beautiful a child's faith really can be um, if we just let them speak to us, like Ken was saying, like just let them evangelize us. And they do understand the real presence. I remember in the summer we went to the park and it was hot, and I'm like, let's just go visit Jesus. And they really enjoy that we were in air conditioning, <laughs> but we walk there, and I'm thinking. They're not going to sit here for 30 minutes or an hour. But I'm, I, I pray to the Lord, Lord, as long as they can handle it, we're going to mm-hmm. be here. So we were there. And then I'm telling them, you know what? Would you mind waiting until somebody else comes in? I don't want to leave Jesus alone. And Alex, my almost 10-year-old, he's like, yes, mommy, we should wait. We shouldn't leave him alone. So 10 minutes, 30 minutes, and then somebody walks in. And then I look, it's plenty of time. Let's just go home. We're leaving, and then he says, Mommy, it's really sad. And I'm like, what is sad? That he's alone. 
And I said, it is. And he said, if you, people should be lining up outside to get in. This is God. His presence is here and he's alone. And I didn't know if I wanted to cry because we were leaving him alone. But he's, he was really concerned that why is Jesus alone in the tabernacle? Why aren't people lining up? And I tried to tell him, if you will see the Pope, everybody will run to see the Pope. And this is God, his real presence. So I'm never afraid to talk to him. This is a real presence. This is what it is because he he came up on that on his own. Sometimes yeah, we have our struggles during mass and things like that. But when he <laughs> says things like that, thanks for bringing me to mass or thanks for bringing me to see Jesus in the tabernacle and spend time with him. When he said, it is sad that he's alone. It's just God's grace. That is, that's stunning. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's, and, and it, and it doesn't take, it's not, it's not a system or a program, right? It's just living the faith. I mean, you, you in that moment, let's go visit Jesus, right? Just living your faith. And then how that translated for your children, you know, in the same way that going to mass and, and that being translated over to them because they're experiencing it. You know, I try with Maximilian, I, I try to point out different things during mass like and ask him, where's Father John David? Where's Anthony? Because he knows Anthony and Father John David somewhat <laughs> from coming to the office. So to see him point and, and just to try to get him a little bit engaged in the mass. And I think there are so many opportunities that we have as parents to kind of show our kid a little something. It was interesting. I wear, I wear these medals around my neck. I have uh, a divine mercy and uh, our lady immaculate conception and a uh, St. John Paul, II medal um, with uh, Pope Benedict Emeritus on the back and Maximilian got to them. He likes to pull them out from under, you know, under my, um, my dress shirt. And he kissed it, oh. you know, and I had forgotten, but previously I had, I had shown him like you kiss, you know, you venerate, um, the, the holy image. And so he was kissing it and I thought, wow, that's awesome. And so I, I've been trying to remind him if he finds them, you know, make sure kiss it because it's that little gesture and it's that little moment that I have that I'm teaching him something for the future, right? That there's something sacred about these images and the people that are presented here. And it's something that we need to, you know, keep in mind and keep, um, as he grows older, hopefully he'll, he'll remember that as he sees more and more holy images. And it's not again, right. It's not for Catholics. It's not a worship of those images. It's, it's giving them the sacredness that they deserve, the respect that they deserve, right? In the same way that if I have a picture of my family and I'm away and I'm feeling especially longing for them, I might give it a kiss, right? In recognition mm -hmm. of like, these are people that really matter to me um, in the same way to, to help Maximilian understand like the Blessed Mother and Jesus, um, the Divine Mercy uh, with his Divine Mercy and then St. John Paul II and then how we... Um, we honor um, Pope Benedict Emeritus. So just like that, that hopefully instilling that realization in him that there's something special about these people, right? Yeah. And there's something sacred here. And how beautiful that our Catholic faith is, is able to provide those tangible things. We don't, we don't worship an abstract God that doesn't speak to us on our terms. You know, it's, it's like what you said at the beginning of this podcast, that, that, Jesus worked with each of the apostles individually and, and provided for them. We, at the, 
the time of recording this podcast, who knows when it'll go live. Um, we just heard the, the gospel of Thomas uh, doubting Thomas. And it's like, he happened to not be there. And Jesus comes and presents himself again and says like, all right, Thomas, you need, you need to actually put your hand into my side. Fine. Like if that's what you need, then I'm willing to come to you on those terms and, and allow you to have faith. Cause that's what he wants from us. He wants us to believe and obey and, and to trust him and, and to live in him. Uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any final thoughts, Christy, on, on connecting faith to, to the young people? I think it's just finding what they're interested of will be very helpful to teaching the faith. Alex now is in a stage for loving comics. So when I got him the Action Bible, I mean, he was just thrilled. And he read the whole thing, and he keeps reading it over and over again. Wow. So I'm looking for books from our faith that are like comic books because this is where he is right now. At some point, he was really into science, so he really enjoyed watching videos on Eucharistic miracles mm. because he was really into science. I don't need to watch that, but maybe he needed it, and he, it was very interesting. So I think finding what your child is into, that will be one of your tools that you can use to evangelize them. And just tell them, not be afraid. My, my kids wear scapulars, and sometimes they come out, and people say, oh, you have your tag off, or what is that? I said, it's okay. You can tell them what it is. Explain to them what it is. You don't have to say anything else. This is what it is. Don't be afraid. It's a scapular, and that's mm -hmm. what it's called. It might look like a tag or like a fabric metal, but it's a scapular, and this is what it is. Just You can talk about it. They're yeah. like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, and instilling some of that knowledge in them so that they feel courageous enough to be able to share because they know what they're talking about. And I think that that also extends to if you're a teacher – or um, some kind of uh, like like myself, a youth minister, or or something in that regard. If you're if you're influencing several children, like the same principle applies as it would to our own children. What is it that they're interested in, and then how do we? Our faith is so rich and can be viewed from so many different angles. How can we take what their interests are, right, and then and, and help them grow deeper in their faith? Yeah, everything true, good, and beautiful. Like you can you can point to God in anything that they're interested in. It's One awesome. of the things that I tell them all the time, you have to show your classmates that you're Catholic without saying anything. You have to, by the way you interact with them, that you love Jesus so much that they would know without you having to say, what, where do you go to church or what do you do? They have to know Jesus through how you treat them. That's the biggest thing that I tell them. You don't have to say anything. They need to know that, oh, why is Alex or Eduardo, why are they so kind? And then if that leads to something else, it does. But the, the way they react, sometimes I say these children don't know anything about God. And the only thing that they would know about God is through how you talk to them, how you interact with them. So that's one of the biggest things that I keep telling them. I love that. So be witnesses of our faith to the children and also let them be witnesses to us. And and if I, I mean, I don't have kids, I'm discerning celibacy. So I don't know what kind of authority I have, but the, <laughs> the most important thing that we can be doing for our kids is praying for them. You know, the power of a parent's <laughs> prayer and, and the power of the body of the Christ praying for, uh, praying for our children, that they would be open to the faith. It's huge. Like just a couple nights ago, we had confirmation and I was just sitting there in the pew praying very fervently that just these, these teens would be open to the Holy Spirit. And I believe that, that those prayers are efficacious, that those prayers actually work, and that, that God can get into people's hearts through our prayers. 
Um, so just keep praying for our kids and, and trust that that God's in control. Like we don't have to we don't have to get really anxious or worried about them that the kids are leaving the church and droves. No, like there's beautiful faith. There's beautiful faith in these kids, and we just have to pray and nurture it in any way that we can by becoming good Christians ourselves. So. Absolutely. So with that, let's let's offer up um, all of all of the children of our parish and and in the world to Our Lady as we pray. Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Pray for us. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia, or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. This podcast is presented to you by individuals who are not all necessarily experts in the field of discussion, but are answering the call to new evangelization and sharing their love of Christ with you. God bless you.